Welcome to the Godly Manhood Podcast, where we seek to encourage men to consider how they can grow in godliness as men, husbands, and fathers by sustaining themselves with God's Word and applying it in their lives daily. My name is Emery Phipps. And I'm Brian Barnes. And this is uh, Men's Advance Post-Wrap Week, right? We had this great men's event at our church this weekend, Friday and Saturday. It was awesome. I thought it was awesome. It was amazing. David, did you yeah. enjoy yourself? Fantastic. Every yeah. minute. Every, every minute. Yep. Bold. We uh we had a guy come in from our regional Baptist um whatever group. Yeah, he's convention. our he's our associational missionary for the Greater Dayton Association of Baptists. I knew you would know it. James Reisner taught through Colossians, uh the first chunk of Colossians. It was fantastic. Uh that boy can preach. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. It's it's sad to me a little bit because that he doesn't like hit a pulpit every Sunday. You know, it's he's so gifted in that way, but I'm sure he's super, super vital in, in his role. Oh, yeah. He's done some just awesome, He, you know, and obviously, I was talking about him about this yesterday. I'm just, you know, I, I know people in other states that are part of churches that are part of con, you know, regional associations yeah. um, like we are, and they're, as they see what's going on in ours, and I talk to them, and I say, hey, we're doing this, and hey, I went to this and did this thing, they're always like, man, you know, I wish our association was doing things like that. And there are a lot of rural churches. A lot of them are like revitalizations. So, yeah. so there's issues there. And I was talking to James a little bit about that yesterday, how um, this is the, the power of the association is the churches and the churches that are really just um, serving God well and growing, making disciples um, are the reason he's able to do what he does. Yeah, so. I think it's super important. And uh, I know like the, the Ohio Convention of Baptists on the bigger scale, a lot of what they do is church plants, but they also do replants, which was interesting to kind of revitalize, like you were saying, like, like how do we breathe life into these churches and help them do uh, do a better job to, to engage the community, to grow its membership, to, to bring forth the strength and the health of that church. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like if we got guys like James out there working, working for the Lord. You know, I spent years, so probably about a year and a half before I came to Coinos, I was really got into the idea of just looking into replant or replanting and revitalization, it fascinated me. Yeah, it's cool. And there's a guy with the North American Mission Board named uh, Mark Clifton, and he, like, that's his thing. And he just does such a great job, has a great podcast about it. But, like, I've got a whole top shelf of books up there on, on that topic because there are just so many. It's just awesome. I think they're like the—church uh, planting is cool, and I know some church planters, and they're awesome, amazing super amazing men and super important. But I feel like these guys who are going in and revitalizing churches are like the special forces. And my understanding, they are. And my understanding is that it's way harder than a oh, church yeah, plant is well, a replant. Yeah, like dealing with people, the changes that need to take place. People don't um, like change. They're like, hey, it's five years minimum. Like you're committing to five years. And Brian Croft and uh, Jim Savasio, they have a podcast called Practical Shepherding where they talk a lot about that because that's Brian Croft's background, if I remember, is in revitalization. And he tells people, like, hey, Hey, God will use you greatly, but it's five to 10 years. Like if you think you're going to be there any less than that, just yeah. don't even do it because it's not going to happen. Yeah. It, it, your heart, you're changing bad habits. You're working with people who are stuck in their ways maybe sometimes. And, uh, you know, churches that are underperforming or, you know, or their health isn't, I shouldn't say underperforming, that their health isn't, isn't right. Uh, there, there's probably a lot of issues there that have to be worked through and it's tough. It's tough work. So anyway, yeah, that, that's a fascinating area. Uh, what was your favorite part of the men's retreat? What stood out? What was like your your biggest encouragement, thing you enjoyed the most? I saw a lot of new people that I, 
like I tend to try to just get around and meet everybody and at least like know their names, know their face. Yeah. But it was just cool hopping from table to table and not sitting with just the people I know. Yeah. Um, one guy was just like, you know, and I haven't had a chance to talk to him all that much since he started. He's been coming for probably six, eight months, maybe up to a year. Sure. Um, but we were just, I'd come out of the restroom and he was just kind of chilling there in between while we were waiting. And he's like, you know, Emory, I was just thinking about it. You're the first person I ever met when I came to Coinos. You're the first person to come talk to me. And he came back. And he came back. So <laughs> wow. I'm like, I, I think that's what I said to him. I was like, man, you're bad. You stayed. That's cool. That's amazing. So yeah, so he, uh, that was cool. Like just running into people and, and just learning a little bit about them, what they do, who they are, where they're at in their walk. You took a lot of shots this weekend too. Oh from, man, dude, what, what was that? Was that planned? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I'm good with it. I have, I love self-deprecating humor already, so I'm the guy for that. But that was others deprecating but, humor. But even James was like <laughs> talking, talking our elders up and how great our pastors are in a church and like how God's using Koinos. And he's like, yeah, and God's even using Emory here. Even Emory, even Emory. <laughs> Yassar got you good. I, everybody, they were coming out of the woodwork. I think that just means you have broad shoulders and people like you. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell myself when people are hard on me. They don't know about the lipstick I put on at night on my little <laughs> list that I'm, was that Billy Madison? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Writing their names on a mirror. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I don't know. David, what about you? What stood out? What'd you like? I really like seeing a lot of the younger guys stepping up just with their questions or being more comfortable speaking. 100%. Definitely in that environment when you're surrounded by a bunch of men, it, it makes it a little bit easier to ask questions because you know you're going to get good answers and that was awesome to see yeah i couldn't believe the youth um, oh yeah man it was great huge. to see those guys yeah and they were all throwing their hands up a lot of them were in the same group i had them at the end of the day and at the end of the day we've eaten heavy food way too much of it and everybody's like half asleep and these young guys were still engaged doesn't yeah. phase them yeah answering questions throwing up uh answers to things and um yeah it was really cool it was cool to see that i, I taught a breakout session on mature disciples which I kept accidentally calling godly men or godly manhood. Why? I know. I just kept saying it's a branding issue. I don't know what, it's just in me. It's in my head. And they all mostly were in on it, so they were fine. But, you know, mature discipleship is a really uh, important part of what we're doing here in this podcast. And and we talked about killing sin, and that became a more and more prevalent topic as the breakout sessions went on. And it was really great to see these young guys, to David's point, they, they were— right in it. And they were talking about the men who'd been discipling them and giving examples of that. And what was cool, I asked a question of all the groups two ways. The first one was like, think of an example of a mature disciple. Who have you seen be that at the beginning? And then toward the end, I asked, talk about somebody who has discipled you. What did that relationship look like? Who reached into your life and did the ICNU thing? And over and over and over again, guys were almost exclusively giving examples from within our church. Yeah. Which was cool. I was expecting a lot of like my grandfather, you know, this guy that you've never heard of from my childhood. And there was some of that, but it was really encouraging. I didn't even, I didn't even think about like, oh, well, duh, they're going to talk about the guys who go here, you know, um, guys like Jess Winger and Jesse Newman and uh, anybody named Jess or Jesse, I think. That's the thing. Mostly. That's biblical too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And kids naming their own fathers. In their life, it's, it was it was awesome. Yeah, men who were examples and walking in it, and I that think was we should do this like once a month. Well, yeah, the men's retreat. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> so good. I agree. We are doing a wing night and I the heard. singing, man. Oh, the singing like yeah, dude. I'm so grateful that Pastor Chris brought a pirate song to right. the, the men's retreat because it was poor Chris singing about killing idols with a with a hundred men. Oh yeah, like was the coolest. Well, the story behind the song like made it like make a lot more sense because at first I'm like. Yeah. What are we doing singing this Navy mm-hmm. song? This thing about St. Brendan. 
I can't remember what the song is. Something about the Saint Voyage Brandon. of Saint Brendan by I'm gonna mess this guy's Brian Suave Suave S U A V E with a little tilde accent. Is a, a suave. It's a Victor Borga he used to do that. Like you know, he is an old guy, old comedian. He'd do like he'd read and he'd do like the noises for punctuation. Oh, that's great. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that song was awesome. Asian All about Saint Boniface cutting down old Donner's oak. I want to read about. more about that. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it's got a really cool history kind of backstory to it. There's probably some Christian history podcast that does an episode. We should. What do you call him? A Germaniac. Germaniacs. <laughs> You're a Germaniac. I'm a Germaniac. That's right. Born in Germany. Fully crazy. That's I want to shout out my D group. Yeah. Yes. Talk so, about that. Well, two thirds of my D. Well. Three fourths of us were there, but so Norm asked a couple of days ago, and he was like, "Hey, would you do you know anybody who'd be willing to demonstrate like D group, talk about D group?" He's like for like ten or fifteen minutes, and I was like, "I was like, yeah, we'll probably find somebody." I didn't think anything else of it, and he and he talks to me the other day. I was at the church, and he's like, "Hey, would your D group do it?" And I was like, "He's like, I just talked to to one of your guys. I'm like, all right, maybe I'll shoot a text out and see." And like one of the guys that was up there, he like sends us like the uh, Homer Simpson. GIF, GIF or whatever, where he backs into the trees. Like, mm, yeah, yeah, I don't want to get in front of people. Yeah. But I never heard anything more from Norm about it. So then it's on like the program. And then Norm comes up to me like three minutes before. And he's like, hey, grab your D group. No and I way. I was like, Norm, they don't want to do it. We're not prepared. Like, they're kind of, t- one of them's kind of terrified right now. <laughs> and he's he like, ah, he'll be all right. Just, just, just get him up here. Pressure, pressure him into it. And he was so nervous. And it was like, it was awesome. Cause I was, he asked me, I was like, did I do it? I was like, dude, you, awesome. you didn't sound as it was awesome. Everything you said was amazing. I don't even know which one of them it would have been. Cause they, yeah, they both did a really, really good job. Yeah, it was what, the one that starts with a C. Yeah. Yeah. yeah same names. Uh, it was Chris. <laughs> oh, very helpful. Thank you. One of the Chris's was uh, anxious. But no, they did. They did awesome. I love those guys. And uh, I'm I got a D group. I got a little jealous to you guys talking about your D group. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's one thing I don't currently have room in my life for. And I want, to engage that at some point. Um, I do have, you know, versions of that men that disciple me and I disciple, um, but to do it in a formal setting like that, I think it's super cool. And the fact that you guys get together once a week to examine God's word and talk about what stood out to you and work through it is critical. And I love that you guys have been doing it for, this is your third year together. Going into three. Yeah. Just, just life last year, man, was like, we've had like a lot of death, a lot of just hardship, just all around. Everybody's had something, whether it's sickness, whether it's, change a life yeah uh, just you name the thing so it's been good because we're walking with each other through it but it's like some of those aspects where you're doing discipleship yeah it just feels like it's not it wasn't going the way it should or we thought it would um so we just like hey let's go one more year and uh yeah i've always up. i've always resented that part of life group and d group when um it's time to break it up and like multiply i know it's good i know why we do it because you're you're building up other men who can lead and go do it, but it's it's really really hard. It's really really hard, and you're ending in some fashion. You know, you're ending parts of those relationships. You know, so our wives, their D group split two months ago because our wives were all in a D group together. Wow, there was awesome. just a need for more female D groups. So they're they've been harassing us a little bit, calling us kind of wimpy. And Emery and I were talking about this while we were there. Is I kind of see this as our own little D group. Yeah, it is. It's the three of us. We, we dive real deep into scripture. Yeah. And a lot of times it's an hour after the podcast. We're just sitting here talking about what's on our minds. So I'm more holy than all the other D groups. <laughs> That's why it's called the Holy Boys too. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're double D grouped up, man. You're in it. You're deep in the word. I love it. No, yeah, yeah. I, it definitely feels that way 
for sure. Um, but yeah, you, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool that you guys are doing that. And if you don't know what a data group is, yeah. Google Robbie Gallaty. Ding. Ding. And go to Replicate Ministries and check that out. Yeah. That was that was kind of funny yesterday. We were passing that book out, and yeah. I had to say the name. <laughs> and there was like a lot of people were like, ding. And I was, I was like, ding, ding, ding. I was like, oh, okay, smart Alex. That's Great. awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It's cool that people listen to it. I don't know. It still kind of shocks me a little bit. And guys, I don't know that well telling me. Like, I thought, I think about it like this. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I feel like I know those people. You know, it's parasocial. They don't know me, but I know them. But a lot of the guys that we know that we go to church with that listen to this, they know us way better than most people do, or that they would if, if we didn't do this. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. And even though our pastor calls it the wrong name from the stage. <laughs> Godly man podcast. And he forgets to mention David. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, his therapist said he's making progress, though. He's yeah. getting he's getting it's over slow. it. It's slow. It's slow. We're giving him more mic time today. Yeah. Yeah, David really is kind of responsible for this episode. He's he's the, the <laughs> He came up with the idea and the concept of what we're going to talk about today. And I don't totally know how to describe it. I, I really don't either. It was a. Uh, we're talking about Japanese power metal. Yeah, which is the forte of mine. Your passion. I'm yeah. kidding. We're not talking about that. Nobody panic. How would you describe it, the topic today? Well, just with, with a lot of stuff going on lately, I've noticed a, a very quick judgment from Christians when it comes to things that we disagree with. Whether it be a pastor saying it or a friend saying it, there's, there's a right and a wrong way to approach it. And. I've noticed lately that one wrong thing said by somebody who has an outstanding track record causes an absolute blow up and they almost want to write them off. And and I don't think we should be approaching it that way. That's well said. Yeah. I think some of the words we've been kicking around are like when a brother stumbles, yeah, when he trips, when he gets something wrong. And sometimes you can put that under the category of when a brother sins. I think the Bible's very clear on what we do when a brother sins. But not every one of those things that we disagree with is a sin either. Right. Yeah. And that's hard, I think, to admit and recognize sometimes. I know I struggle with that sometimes. I get kind of, I'm on, I live on social media. Right. So it's an environment rife with, oh, this guy needs to know how I feel. And it's like, no, he doesn't. Nobody cares. I think it naturally, social media naturally makes us all more sarcastic too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, it, I don't need any more of that. It's all hyperbole and sarcasm, right? So, yes, I think just kind of working through when it's nuanced or when it's when there is some gray area, how do we handle those things? Because look, the Bible's super clear. When somebody sins against you or you you find somebody in sin, you're to go to that person. Clearly, Matthew 18, go to that person in their sin. But I think what David's talking about is like sometimes it happens in a public way with a well-known pastor, preacher, speaker, Christian, and I don't get to go to him in that way. It's not our place. It's not. And people make the excuse, well, he's he's out in public, he's putting it out there in public, so therefore we have a right to kind of challenge and say what we want and reply. And I don't I don't think that's true. I don't. I, I think we want to do that. We want to think that we have a say just because. Well, they put it out there. Sure. I should be I should be able to, but that doesn't mean that that's the correct way to do it. Yeah, and I think that there's a difference between like full-blown heresy in public and sin or a wrong take um, or just getting something wrong. You know, I, I just think that there's there are differences. Mm-hmm. Like if I ever met, uh, pick your favorite heretic preacher, Creflo Dollar or whatever, I would feel absolutely no resistance to be like, hey, I want to share the gospel with you. Because I think you got it wrong. But I don't think that if a pastor says something I disagree with, or I come down to it with a difference of opinion doctrinally or biblically, 
that it's my job to shout him down and anybody who follows him or listens to him. Hmm. And conversely, if my pastor at my church gets something wrong in that way, and I think that he's saying something or presenting something that is counter to what the Bible says, that it is my place to go to my pastor and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this because I think you might be erring here. And I'd like to talk you through that and see where, where we can land on that, right? And that's the huge distinction. Do you have the right to step into somebody's life and correct them if you are not accountable to them and they're not accountable to you? Sometimes, yes. Many times in the internet world, no. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I said that well. No, I think that's, I think that's good, man. I, I haven't, kind of living in that space, that makes it sound like I'm on Twitter and Facebook. You're half man, half machine. Every day, yeah, like RoboCop. Um, yeah, just being in that environment, that's that's the thing that, that really gets me is everyone feels a need to, like, I got to say something about it. And then they kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. You can have, and this is, and you name the person. I, I've been trying to think if I've said this person's name on here. Maybe I need to be careful. But there's a certain female uh, teacher. Okay. I'm trying a self-professed pastor, maybe we say. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, who I just disagree with on a lot of things. Sure. But I've found myself on many occasions defending them from people who just go this direction, like putting words in the mouth or making claims that things were said that just weren't said or weren't meant the way they were. I got it. And I'm like, man, dude, like, okay, hey, we can say, hey, this is wrong when I disagree. But again, what are we doing? Yeah. When it's like, oh, let me, let me blast this out all over. If we came onto this podcast today and said, well, hey, this person said this thing. They're not my pastor, right? but they're a public person. And right. we're going to deride them and say, hey, they're not a good shepherd. You should no longer listen to this person based off of this one thing that we disagree with them on. And then tell everyone that listens that they have to agree with us on this or else they're wrong too. Yeah. And there's, there's a place for some things, to your point, heresy, things that are just— False teachers. False teachers, but to take— We did a whole episode. Yeah, on we did a whole episode on that. So some of this may be a little bit redundant. Well, also, it might sound hypocritical, so let's be really clear yeah. about that. Because I think you're tiptoeing delicately, and you're doing a great job. But you're trying to, to draw a distinction between somebody who's preaching a false gospel, somebody who's leading people astray, somebody who's, who's harming God's church, yeah. and somebody that just has a—maybe they're stumbled, or they have like a wrong take on something. Mm -hmm. That's different. Yeah, very different. Yeah. Look at their body of work. Like, do they have 30 years of excellent preaching and teaching of God's Word? Well, yeah, then I got to sit back here and go, like, look at my two and a half years in ministry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, like, no, like, that doesn't mean that I am wrong in my opinion or my take on something. It's like, okay, let's show a little, a lot of grace here. We forget how much grace has been shown to us, I think, so many times, all for a Twitter-like or X-like. What do they call now? Likes? I, you, X, I don't, I don't know. know. No idea. I'm still in— This is all you, baby. I'm still, like, <laughs> fighting that tooth and nail. I'll never call it X. It's dumb. Okay. Sorry, Elon. There goes our sponsorship. I want to read James 4, 1 through 3. I think we should talk about this. It says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that is your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. When James is talking about murder here, he's not talking about literal murder, but the the hatred and the contempt that you hold in your heart for somebody because of a disagreement. And I think that's where a lot of this is going wrong, especially in today's culture. Yeah, I think that you got to examine your heart and what is motivating you to respond so loudly to somebody else's pastor saying something. Well, um, there's there's a lot of people who would go, 
Well, I'm only saying it here because I care about this brother's soul. Sure. And, and to me, that, that reminds, and not that there can't be people that way, it very much reminds me of the old lady prayer request, like when I was a kid, pray for sister so-and-so, and then it just turns into gossip. Bless her heart. Yeah, it's like, it's it's along the same lines to me. It's like, well, how genuine are, and if I come to you in private, say you're mega church, you were talking about the, the, the big nice hair and the fancy sneakers this morning, say you were that pastor. Yeah. And I come to you and I in private and say, hey, hey man, you know, I heard this concerned about how that could be seen from others. I, I think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I think you're in error. Just as a, a, a brother in Christ, I just felt the need to reach out. Okay. I've done my part, in my opinion. Yes. To take that exchange and then throw it on Twitter. Take the video from the sermon. Yeah. And, and oh, no, look, not, look. not even that, to take my private exchange where yeah, I'm like— sure. Yeah, and, and then to say, well, hey, I've done my part, so now I'm sharing with you all because you need to see this. It's like, nah, man, that's the total—you can't tell me at that point that all oh, my heart's in the right place on this one. Right, right. I just think that's—you can say it all you want, <laughs> but, man, I don't know. Like, maybe well, I'm not showing enough grace in that, but, like, it just, it just to me, tells a lot about a person, what they're going to screenshot and toss out and, and what their claim is going to be for why they're doing it and that— it's happening way too often anymore. Well, and it feels really good to be right. And we want to be right. We want to be on the right side of these things. Um, but yeah, like, are you publicly commenting on somebody else's pastor or another Christian because you actually think they're going to see it and you actually think that this might call them to repent? Almost certainly not. Mm-hmm. No, it feels really good to pile on, to be yeah. a part of the, the crowd, the fire that's burning down the forest as James would say, right? Like our tongues, our tongues can cause even our thumbs. Maybe this, this thumbs is better in this than tongues. Like what we, how we carry ourselves, the words we say publicly about somebody, you know, are you burning down a forest or are you trying to gently restore? And the vehicle by which we uh, try to correct somebody is everything. One-on-one in conversation. You know, I preached a sermon today and I'm sure that I didn't get everything just right. And somebody has in that, in that church, of which I am one of the pastors, if they had an issue with something I said or the way I said something, I would hope that they would come to me and correct me. Mm-hmm. I would also hope that they wouldn't put the clip online and go, look at this idiot. Can you believe he said oh, man, this? I'm going to have thing? to delete that off my phone now. Thank you. I mean, I was, this was a general correction. I'm glad you picked up on my nuance. Yeah. I'm all about nuance. David, are we hitting this so far the right yeah. way? Yeah, I think, I think we are. Well, I put up there, keys to conversation, the tolerance versus endorsement. There's a lot of things that a lot of pastors say that we as Christians tolerate but do not endorse. Oh, They're allowed to say these things. Mm-hmm. There are going to be false teachers. The Bible talks about it over and over. But us as Christians should know when to endorse the things that are being said and when not to. And that becomes a point of contention within the Christian culture is what do we endorse? How are we endorsing it? Are we endorsing a pastor or are we endorsing Scripture? Mm. Yeah, and then, like, you can endorse parts of somebody's work and some of their sermons and things that are really, really helpful. You might share that with somebody and go, yeah, look, this really helped me. There's some really—I'm fully endorsing this this chunk of their work, right? But when I see that word tolerance, tolerance versus endorsement, I think the tolerance category might—in my mind, where, where my brain goes is, like, there are some secondary doctrinal things that we might disagree on Yeah, yeah. that I will completely tolerate. Because ultimately, they're secondary issues. That brother might is very well likely saved and 
going to go meet Jesus just like I am, and we disagree on perseverance of the saints mm-hmm. or total depravity, early pick a thing. No, okay, I'll tolerate. Not only will I tolerate that, brother, I'm going to love him. I'm going to study with him. I'm going to maybe even, you know, and have a spirited biblical debate in love and, and all of that, you know. But uh, I'm certainly not going to endorse those ideas. Yeah. But I'll tolerate them all day, all day. And, and it's usually the tolerance has to come where you disagree in, in some function. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, I, and I think a lot of the culture today wants tolerance to be the main focus and they, they want tolerance to be the keyword, but what they actually want is endorsement. They, they want you not to tolerate what they do, but to endorse what they do. And we endorse scripture. Silence is violence. David, silence is violence. I will not. <laughs> yeah, right. No, you're, you're right on it. Like, not only do you have to tolerate it, but you have to endorse it. That's a, that's interesting. We've seen a lot of that with like uh, the new sexual ethic or whatever you want to call it in our culture. Um, it's not enough to tolerate this thing that God says is sin, but you also have to endorse it. That's different, I think, than saying, I will tolerate this brother's uh, difference in doctrine or thought on this portion of scripture because he's this is a secondary issue and I'm not going to endorse it, but I'll tolerate it. Yeah, I, it, that's a good distinction there. There's sort of two ways that that works. Yeah. What is, is that? Go ahead. No, go ahead. What I was just going to say, what does that say underneath the actions? So these actions, the things that we endorse, that we endorse publicly, that we endorse with our works, what are they saying about being image bearers of Christ? And if we're not being good bearers of the image of Christ, then it shouldn't be something that we're endorsing. Ooh. Let's talk about that. That our actions, what our actions say about being image bearers or about other image bearers? If, if the things that we are endorsing and the works that we are showing to the world are not in conjunction with being image bearers of Christ, Ooh. then they're not things that we should be endorsing. That's a good call. That should kind of be like the filter that we run it through. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to be on board with this thing or this this doctrine or this pastor, or this, this worldview, this idea, I need to run it through the filter of scripture and see uh, what does that say about me as an image bearer? Is this is this aligning with the God whose image I bear? Correct. Ooh. And I think Emery can really hit on this when I when you put it to number three, the public opinion. If your image bearing is reflecting a certain image to the rest of the public, and that public sees, well, that Christian is accepting of this thing. That Christian is endorsing this thing. Great. What a what a great thing. But you don't always want to be associated with some things publicly. Yeah. And I'm sure you see that a lot. Can you give me an example of that? What do you mean? Something you don't want to be associated with, but you... Well, with the backdrop of everything that's going on, the Alistair Begg issue is, do you go to a homosexual wedding? Or in in his case, he was talking about transgender people getting married. Publicly, we as Christians will go to that wedding and be seen by non-believers, and it is seen as we are accepting and endorsing that behavior. Oh, I see. And we really have to take a second. And this is a very deep, nuanced subject, but it's something that needs to be discussed and talked about. So this is kind of that watching world category of like, people are going to see you there. How will the public think about that? Yeah, I I mean, that goes to many things. And I think they all, our problem is it becomes back to what you said, David, where you have to agree with me on this. Mm -hmm. So I've been rolling around Kroger with, but beer in my cart, you know? Yeah, I know. Shocking, right? Like, what? Oh, my God. I was driving around the no, other I know I'm a Baptist. I'm supposed to hide that, and only Catholics wave, live in, live in liquor store. Yeah. But, the, uh, that's the you know, that's the difference. That's how you can tell a Baptist from a Catholic, right? The Baptist puts their head down their hood up. The Catholic will wave at you when they're leaving the liquor store. 
that's a good joke from my childhood. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, so like, I'm sure people, I'm, I'm very heavily tattooed. I'm mm -hmm. sure people look at that and go, ah, oh, man, he's endorsing. I don't know. I've got a big skull on my forearm. You're endorsing the Lord with most of them. Well, yeah, yeah. it's a chief of sinners, but it's a skull. So therefore, am I endorsing Satan? God made skull, skulls. You know, God Just, made death. I mean, let's be real. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so yeah, like those things like that. So we can take those things to an extreme. And I think it's okay. I think it's okay for someone to look at me and say, man, he's really heavily tattooed. And, and I think scripture says this and have that opinion. You're, you're entitled to mm -hmm. it. You can be wrong. You know, and I say that lovingly. To me, if you have a problem with them, come talk to me about it. Let's, let's talk. Yeah. And I think that's where all this kind of goes out the window is having this, the endorsement and the acceptance side of it, of like, if I go to this thing, people have to agree with me entirely by either I'm, I'm here and they have to say, hey, it's okay that I'm here. Or me as an individual who'd say, well, I wouldn't do that. Guess what? I should be okay with someone deciding to do that yeah. on a lot of levels. Like, just because I disagree doesn't make them wrong entirely, mm -hmm. but I can still have a conviction that they're wrong. Yeah. Well, and there are a million ways in which details change the outcome. Yeah. I mean, we do this with politics. We do this with so many other things. I mean, some people try to skew it and say, well, you can't vote this way or you're not this. And if you ever have voted with a candidate with this letter after name, you're obviously not a Christian or, or whatever. You can do those things. That happens all the time. So I just feel like, was it like uh, the, the dude from the Green Mile where he's like, I'm just sick of people being mean to each other, boss, or whatever he says? I kind of feel like we're in that phase of society at this point where everyone's just like, hey, how can I be a jerk about this publicly? It feels <laughs> because, like more and more the church is starting to look like And the, the church is doing that. So if we're talking about the watching world, to me, we're way more worried about whether, you know, some individual says, hey, go to this or that and how that would look than how we look treating each other, who, who we're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to love the church. That doesn't mean I have to endorse everything. I don't have to accept, I don't have to endorse everything. But hey, if I'm not a member of that church, I, I can have my own opinion. We could sit here and shoot the breeze about it, I'm sure. Um, but the, the fact is like, I don't have to endorse it. I don't have to even accept it. Right, yeah. But it, where's my place in interacting with it? And I think people are just forgetting that too often. I think... People are platformed. They got a thing that they want to say something. Frankly, it's monetized for most of these people. Isn't it insane that, like, accountants have platforms? Like, regular people can – like, there are some people – take out the monetization. I think people think of themselves as, like, a brand and a platform. Oh, yeah. And I'm saying this to somebody with a podcast. I understand the irony in that. <laughs> I don't – I'm not active on social media. I'm not – I don't participate in all these things. But, like, I think the heart of it sometimes is, like, I have to say something here because it is going to propel forward my platform, my audience, my whatever. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it just feels disingenuous. And then they end up throwing bombs at each other. And again, like it feels like the church is starting to look more like the world. And then when a person replies with their own bomb, yeah. they're the bad guy. Oh, how dare they respond that way to me when I'm in the right? It just, it's tiring, man. I'm like, just really tired of like, being being pushed this idea that I'm supposed to care what everybody else thinks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and full disclosure, I guess I'll say this since we, we dropped the name, if we're going to leave it in, I would side on being just in a heavy disagreement with him personally. Yeah. On, on his take on it and how he's handled it after the fact. But you're going to burn his books and quit listening to his sermons? No, dude, I was listening to his audio book the night after this happened. I made a great meme about it. Because <laughs> it's did. like it was SpongeBob good. was chilling, listening. It's like, hey, I don't care because you know what? 
there's I've I've benefited greatly from that guy's ministry over the years. This one thing I can be in disagreement with, he's not my pastor. He's I, not your pastor. You know, I think maybe that's the problem. That's maybe that's the problem. Maybe everyone's listening to Truth for Life or Grace to You instead of being in a freaking church. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. And that's their pastor. There you go. Can I say friggin' on this podcast? That's your discretion. Christian liberty would dictate that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think maybe that's maybe that's the root. The root of it is these people do view these people as pastors. They're, they're, oh, they're my pastor because they know more about what this guy said this week on his 20-minute sermon snip that gets thrown up right. than what your actual pastor preached this past Sunday. Right, right. Maybe that's, maybe that's just, you know— Mind blown. I think maybe a way to look at that is if you've got like real hot takes on public pastors, but you don't have one of your own. Oh, yeah. Shut up. You, I mean, (laughs) yeah, that's what I was going to say. Hey, don't. You're you're probably the first person to be like, well, if you didn't vote, you can't say nothing. Right. You know, I hear that all the time because I may have sat out an election (laughs) because I was like, I'm not voting for these people. Yeah. But yeah, like, dude, then shut up. Go find a pastor and don't go harass them. No, good. Go find a pastor yeah. and get under some biblical teaching every feel, week. Almost feel bad for the pastors that we're pointing them at, but yeah, it's like like you those. That's not your pastor. That's not your pastor, and you might love them and respect them. It doesn't unwrite all the beautiful true words and all the books they've written. It doesn't take back all of the sinners that heard the gospel preached by this guy who came to faith in Jesus. It doesn't undo the work that the Lord has done through them and in their ministry and in their life because they got one thing wrong one time. Or many things wrong many times. Mm-hmm. I am a sinner. It makes me anxious as a pastor, as like an elder of a church. When this stuff happens, I'm like, how graceless are these people who were saved by grace? And what I often get curious about is, you know, if Alistair Begg is our example, I wonder if the congregation that he leads and teaches cares half as much as the internet. Like, I'm sure that there are thoughts, opinions, meetings, maybe maybe some counseling going on. Maybe he's going to address it within his body. But I would be willing to bet that the fire of the internet is probably burning way brighter than the fire in his congregation. I would guess that it's—we've we've heard about it a little bit just because of—you know you know, because I mentioned it or David yeah. saw it. because yeah. So we're probably unique in that, kind of like a political election year. You know, no one's paying attention to what's going on really— Right. right now they are because of primary season, but there's going to be like the six-month period before the primary in general. No one's going to care. Right. And then all of a sudden in October, people are going to be like, oh, wait. Everyone's an expert. You know, so I think a lot of people look at these things the same way. Most people probably don't have a clue. And you know what? Hey, let his church handle it. That's right. No, he does speak at conference. I've heard him speak. That was the highlight of T4G. He's like on my bucket list of people I wanted to hear preach. Super gifted. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. He did an awesome sermon there. But the uh, the fact is, not my pastor. Right. And so if, if an organization decides, hey, we're not going to, and we're, we're going to, I think, I think he actually did come off of a conference, but I think it was by his choice. He said, it's just a distraction. Uh, there's no reason for me to, it wasn't like they're like, you're fired. No, I mean, him, and, him and John had a phone call Yeah, and like, hey, they, they just said, hey, with everything going on, we don't want to take away from the conference. Let's just agree. And they agreed. Yeah. Hey, we're not going to do it. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. And I'm sure... John MacArthur disagrees with Alistair Begg on the issue. Very much so. You know, so like, and man, I'm guilty of this. Like, like I'm genuine. As we're talking about this, I'm thinking about like the times where like, I've just been so frustrated. I don't know that I've ranted. I have been called out one time by an elder in our church for a, a Facebook post about someone about three and a half years ago, where it was like, they're like, hey, you put that up. You didn't really challenge anything from a theological or doctrinal perspective. You just 
said something about how they look, and that doesn't look good. Was it Rosie O'Donnell? <laughs> no, it was a, it was a uh, woman teacher who should not be named. No, I don't name Vol- it. Voldemort. Don't name it. I'm um, just. Uh, you know, what I'm saying is like, but at that moment, I'm like, oh, you know what? I didn't have anything instructive to say about this person. I was just like, I think I made a comment about her hair. I just made a very good Donald Trump politics joke, and nobody even. I laughed. Okay. I got it. I said it one time about one person. <laughs> it was Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, that's right. Okay. The the thing that concerns me more out of, especially with the stuff that's happened recently, is the the pastor idolatry. We see a lot oh. of people coming out here saying, I'm never listening to, to X, Y, or Z again. And Pastor X, Y, or Z says this. And nobody ever mentions what Scripture says. They, mm-hmm. they lean on so hard the pastor that they listen to, which great, that pastor is there to shepherd you and protect your soul and help you get closer to God. And I completely understand that. If it's your pastor. If it's your pastor. But to lambast and destroy another pastor who, like Brian said, has no affiliation with you, but you're just going to cut off all of their teaching because of one thing that you disagree with, or they may have said incorrectly that you don't fully understand the context of, that's more of an issue that I'm seeing in, in my heart. I see how people are reacting to this and pedestaling up all these other pastors as better than. Makes me think about what James Reisner said about uh, when he was teaching on Colossians. He said something to the effect of like, make sure that we're ordering our loves properly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just opened my, my journal to, to order your loves. And and it's possible, David, to your point there, like if we're making idols out of these guys, their, their, their capacity to disappoint us is way too great because we've made way too big of a deal out of who they are in our lives and in our hearts because they're not your pastor. They're not yeah. your shepherd. And um, and that's kind of telling of the condition of our heart if we're, if we're creating idols out of these guys and it's wrecking you uh, when one of them missteps. You probably ordered the loves of your heart a little, mm-hmm. a little improperly, um, and you're saying like, "That's it. I'm casting this man as I'm cutting him out of my life. Don't go build another idol, you know, another eloquent speaker." And it's not. I guess there are going to be times where you have to do that with somebody. I mean, there's going to be people who, who have a go on a path where it's like, "No, I can no longer endorse this person's books. I don't want to give totally. these new believers." I can think of a very popular author and um, preacher just in recent years that I would say personally, and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't read any of his stuff anymore. So I have his books back here hidden behind some other books because there's some good stuff in them, but I'm not going to push those to some new believer right. to be like, hey. Um, so there are times where we have, but, but to me, it's a trend. Like there's going to be an obvious like direction over and over and over to take one thing and be like, everything's out the window now is, well, is insane to me. Let's talk about Andy Stanley as an example. I think this is a good, is he the, I don't hey. want to talk about him. Push that mute button. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the only point is I, I know almost nothing about him. So I, I think I could talk about this with, from like an ignorant outsider view, but it seemed to me that people were watching him slip and slide yeah. and fall. And it became this like, I know what point are we just throwing everything this guy's teaching now out and saying he's no longer qualified biblically to bring the word of God to people. And that happened at some point with some teaching that he did. But but there was sort of a let's watch and see. Some people killed him immediately, threw him out immediately. But but I think that generally the church was sort of like the church at large was sort of like, huh, that's interesting. That's a bad choice. That's a bad take. Yep, another one, another bad one. Well, that's not biblical either. What are you doing? And then it became like, all right, this guy's a problem. This guy's a problem. So it was a pattern of behavior, you know. I don't and it was—it wasn't the ch- like when we say it was the church. Who, to me, it's like churches. Like that's what I mean. The, the shepherds within that church were saying, "Hey, look, we're not going to use his material anymore. We're right. going to step away from this. He's an error. 
we're not going to do that. And that's the way it should happen. It didn't happen because Joe Schmo, the church member, bashed him on Twitter one day. Right. It was faithful, caring pastors of churches saying, hey, I'm, I'm watching this. Or or listening to members who came to them and said, hey, we're using this material. I got I got reservations. Like, why are we doing this? Yeah. And, and that's the important part of it. It's it's taken, it's the right steps. There's right steps to this. Mm-hmm. The right step is not to be like dropping bombs on social media, attacking them as worthless for the last 40 years. I, don't, I bet you most of these people have paid money to go see them speak or have their books. Yeah, and the really clear line of distinction here, I wish we'd have said this clearly at the beginning, is we're talking about guys who have been good for a really long time. Yeah. yeah. Guys who are good, faithful teachers and preachers of God's word who have been that for a really long time. And then some controversy, I know you don't like the word nuance, but like controversial or nuanced topic, they differ from the, you know, the the orthodox view on something or whatever it is. Or they, they just, they misstep, they, just, they yeah. stumble, they sin, they say something wrong, whatever it is. That's the difference between those guys and the uh, ear-tickling charlatan, all the, that category. Yeah, so, yeah I, I'm glad you said that. Like, the, there's, there's a... It's not like this is stuff like you watch it for years and don't say anything. Right. It's like, I wish Stephen Furtick would like teach the Bible more. And in 14 or 15 years of him being a head pastor, maybe one day he'll start. Let's keep giving him Just time. pray for him. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, I can't bash Stephen Furtick anymore, dude. No, I, no, no, no. I'm saying the opposite. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm saying I'm saying he's never been good. Bash him more is what he's saying. Bash him more. All right. Well, I shouldn't say he's never been good. I don't know that that's— he, I don't know was, that— He was good in the beginning. I think he was, right? Yeah, he was. I, he I was. mean, I've watched some of his sermons. But my point is more like it's been years and years and years yeah. of failure. Not, yeah. you know, he said this one thing once and his haircut's dumb. You know, it's not that. It's like, we all just— it's just the, gra- the grace aspect of it. We just forget the grace that's been shown to us. We do it in our relationships. We talked about this in the marriage episode where I'm real quick to forget God's grace in my life when mm-hmm. my wife irritates me. Didn't we hear a really good uh, testimony on that yesterday? Yes. From a married guy who was like immediately, I pray to God and I go, fix my wife. Yeah. Dude, it was so awesome. Just <laughs> the vulnerability of like, and these are guys within our church where you're like, dude, I'm so glad he's saying that because— yeah. I struggle with that. I know I do. And I'm, I'm a kind of open book with most things that I deal with to people. You are, yeah. But like to hear somebody like, you know, those guys say, hey, this is an issue in my life that I just dealt with. Yeah. You're like, what? Is that allowed? He can do that? It's good to hear a mature brother deal with things. And, and to that point, all these pastors, David, that you're talking about putting on pedestals, mm-hmm. guess what? They all deal with the same issues and the same sins we do. Yep. I don't know. I grew up in churches where— we, I had some awesome pastors as a kid, man, but I know they weren't perfect men, but I know that now. I never then would have thought they weren't perfect men because there was a pedestal they were put on. Oh, that's the pastor. He's the pastor. It wasn't a plurality of elders. It was like, he's the pastor. Good godly men. Can't wait to worship in heaven with them. It's going to be awesome. But that was wrong yeah. because they were put on this pedestal. I can't imagine what they must have struggled with because they probably knew that grace would not be sh- been shown to them in the moment. Mm. They would have just been like, oh, I'm this perfect pastor and I got to put on this show. And right. I know they're not. They know they're not. But it was just, it was the the cultural, it was culturally that way in those churches that I was in um, because that pastor was elevated to this point of like, he's the man. He's the, the perfect model for us and he, he will do no wrong. And then when they falter, people are wrecked over it because they forget like, oh, wait, he's a sinner too. Yeah. There are sins that are common that destroy ministries for pastors that generally 
I think you you would hear some pastors say it, it tends to grow in the isolation of being a pastor mm. because it is a lonely job yeah. in some degree. If you don't have a plurality of elders, if you don't have a, a, a gang of men that are leading God's church well and you're carrying all that weight by yourself, it's lonely, it's isolating, it's really, really hard, it's very heavy. And so you start to fall into some temptations or some sins that are common to pastors that we see as ministry destroyers. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, safeguarding the church through a plurality of elders is one way to look at that. I mean, that I think is really intentional at our church and why we've done it that way. It's almost like it was instructed in scripture for a reason. Yeah. More on that. Um, <laughs> on last week's sermon from Koinos church, if you're uh, listening to this, we need to throw those up, like not throw those up as, and that sounds like he'll throw up those sermons, but like put those up on the internet would be a better way to put that. Yeah, in, I agree. Um, I think they'd be good to throw in the show notes. I think it'll be good to hear. You did a good yeah, job. If you've never, um, seen my face, you can watch a sermon. I, appreciate I could blur that out. I, could blur, <laughs> I have AI software that would put a little smiley face on your face. Blur out his giant biceps instead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, February 4th at Cornish Church, I appreciate you could look at that. If you want to know what I look like, that might be fun. I, some, uh, people ask me what you look like, Emery. I get Large, cherubim-like, tattooed. <laughs> Cherubim I usually just diaper. Got, I think his pro wrestling name is <laughs> Double Wide. Double so Wide, baby. Use your imagination. No, I'm kidding. Dude, I'm getting, it's coming up. I'm going to be watching for him here in about two months. The Liberty Bibs will be available with the red, white, and blue. Oh, nice. thank God. Nice. Thank God. Well, uh, yeah, so I need to probably have pictures of you on my phone so I can be like, this is Emery, listener. Okay. Well, yeah, look, I think we did it. I think, you know, it's, I, I love, uh, what is that last thing? Say quick to correct, not to converse. Yeah, oh. I, want, I want to kind of close it out with this. That's biblical. Yeah, when when you have this situation in your life, and whether it's a friend, pastor, somebody you don't know, I think there's a couple of things we can do to better facilitate the conversation. And number one is rightly understand what they actually said. Mm. A lot of this oh, is yeah. hearsay. A lot of the stuff that's being thrown around the internet is, did you hear what this person said without any context and you don't have the original? The second thing is... Uh, I just want to say, yeah. hearsay and heresy are very close words and they uh, have very different meanings. And sometimes we're quick to call something heresy, but it's just hearsay. Correct. Yeah. Okay, keep that's going. A beautiful point. I love that. Keep going. And the second part is with that statement that you disagree with, is there any substance of truth that you can start with a foundation to build off mm-hmm. of and come to either a conclusion, whether or not you're going to disagree, or is there something in there that you guys can start at and move forward on? Could you listen to it with like a charitable interpretation and say, I think I see what you mean here. Mm-hmm. I I disagree and I want to help you think about it better is a way better place to start than you're wrong, you're stupid, and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. Yeah, that was, absolutely. Um, I'm, I can't remember if I mentioned it on here or not, but couple of years back, it was on Twitter. It's one of the reasons I got off Twitter <laughs> the first time years ago. But there was a guy that was kind of bashing the idea of Christians in depression. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I didn't go rounds with him on public Twitter. We had a great conversation on direct messages. And it was kind of the same thing. Like, hey, I agree with you here. I see what you're saying. However, I don't think you're taking this into account. I see this in Scripture. And we still disagreed. That's okay. Yeah. But it wasn't like I didn't take all those direct messages, throw them out on Twitter. Like this guy's a jerk. Yeah, you you approached it from all right that one foundational truth, and and that disagreement was depression is hard or depression is not good. Let's go from there. You mm. you got to find that foundational truth in whatever you're disagreeing on, and really build upon that. I think social media has 
taken away our ability to just disagree or talk to each other or talk to each other just <laughs> or, yeah talk to, to each other at all or be un be at all willing to commit to be committed to be in partnership with anybody that we disagree with yeah like, i go to church with people who have different views on parts of doctrine than me mm -hmm. i go to church with people who think differently about politics than i do i go to church with people that think differently about all kinds of things and yeah the internet in christian the christian world this is what we've been kind of touching the last month, but is it, we're just tearing each other apart. We're siloing ourselves. We're separating ourselves. And I got to believe that Satan likes to see that happen in a church. And I wonder how many of these people are in a church at all. Right. And if they are, what's their demeanor like within the church? Are they, what's their pastors doing? Are their pastors like, hey, you know, trying to, you know, admonish them and say, hey, you shouldn't be doing, you're doing this within the body. You're causing disruption within the body. You can't be doing that. Are they being shepherded in that way? Or are they just, hey, I'm not in the church. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say whatever I want. Like, I just couldn't imagine some of these people being church members at our church. Right. And okay. acting this way within the body and it just being not handled rightly. Right. It's just, it's just so I see a lot of them and I'm like, oh, I hope they find a church that will correct them. And, yeah, yeah, that's the word. Or pray for their pastor if they're in a church. <laughs> He's carrying a, a heavy burden. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we go, I'm going to throw this out there. That way now I have to be held accountable for it. I talked to both of you guys about possibly doing some sort of like a three, four, five-part series on different topics of the gospel. just want to throw it out to any of the listeners. If there's anything you would want us to have a series on, write in to Podcast at gmail.com. I was thinking things like big picture, the covenants, the gospels. Yeah, so if there's anything in particular that you guys want to hear, kind of dive into and get more of a roundtable commentary from just a bunch of guys talking about it that aren't going to get too academic with it, let us know. Yeah, I'll dumb it down good. <laughs> I.R. Emery, life are hard. <laughs> now, I think that'd be awesome, man. I, I, again, it's like we talked about there a little bit ago, just diving deep into something. And I'm sure there'll people will be there'll be people that will disagree with on it us mm -hmm. on it, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th this is a podcast for followers of Jesus and people that are curious about Jesus. You don't have to agree with us in, in every category. We don't agree with each other on we don't. everything. We don't. Yeah. I don't know. Emery yeah. thinks uh, hybrids are cool. It's very weird that he does. Yeah, the infrastructure is just terrible. Emery, you should know that. Talking about my <laughs> my Prius. I was talking about hybrid animals. What were you talking about? I thought you were talking about cars. I can't fit in a Prius, man. I, I thought you were talking about Transformers, so I'm way off. <laughs> yeah, that was our one critique. Yeah. Apparently, like out of all the things that we've talked about, someone was, that was upset. your one critique. My one, my one critique. Someone said, "I can't believe you didn't know the name of that Transformer." I was yelling at my radio the name of that Transformer. What was it? Do you remember the beep, the boombox? Oh, he's gonna sound be so wave. mad at you. Yeah, Soundwave. Soundwave. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'd like to hear more about that after. That's great. Uh, yeah, people don't give me the critiques because I think they know I just come and sit and talk and then I leave. Like, I don't know how it works. I don't know how it gets edited or put together. I, I rarely pick the topics. So I appreciate you guys keeping those yeah, thoughts. Yeah, David, thanks for uh, keeping those thoughts working this out, man, because it's been yeah. a whirlwind of it a was week. A, yeah, crazy week for all of us. It yeah, was, but. yeah. Yes, it was. Um, did anybody prepare any speed dating questions? I have a good one. Okay. I, th I think it'll be a good one. Go ahead. All right, with the, <laughs> I just came up with this about 10 minutes ago. Because of yesterday, we sang a beautiful pirate song. Yeah, we did. Thanks you, Chris Early, for the pirate song. <laughs> if you were going to be a pirate, oh, would you choose the eye patch, the hook arm, or the peg leg? This is a very good question. 
Um, I think eye patches are tough. Mm-hmm. And that is not a statement about uh, Texas politicians. I just think <laughs> eye patches are cool and tough. Right, uh, but you also have I won't get into the politics issue. of that. <laughs> Dan Critchow? Yeah. I have no no opinion, so it wouldn't matter if I you do. Did. Okay. I, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked. Do you want to tweet about it and then tell me? Yeah, I, I'll get my phone out okay, here while you're finishing you. this. Uh, so I think I patch. I understand the depth perception issue, but I would rather be able to move quickly with bad perception than to hobble slowly with good perception. Mm-hmm. And then the hook, um, I would end up with an eye patch because I would forget that I had it and scratch my itchy eye. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> Every what about you? Never an easy answer with you. It's never just like it's very easy. It's lo- they're logical answers. I want a hook. I think that'd be sweet. You're gonna end up with my cash. I mean, my my vision's already shot, so I wear glasses, so the hook's not gonna phase me. Okay. And yeah, the peg leg. I don't know, man. That just like seems super uncomfortable. Yes, I agree. Like, and my balance is already shot, so they've come a long way with um amputee uh, limbs but we're not talking about the state-of-the-art stuff we're talking peg leg right I yeah mean, like pretty much hammered into your skin yeah a uh, yeah. pool stick for uh, okay yeah i'm sticking with my answer then what about you david all right in the nature of being a pirate i didn't give you the option but i would just choose a pirate hat because they look cool <laughs> that's not allowed would that's... you wear a hat or like the like hanky the ass got on your head oh I, mm, a hat I'm a, I'm a hat guy but if i had to choose one of the three it'd definitely be a hook okay I don't know, man. We just watched Napoleon the other day, and I feel like his hat is very piratey, like the big, like yeah, yeah. French. Mm-hmm. So dumb. I'm like I couldn't imagine fighting in one of those, and they were just like rocking it on horses. Like I, w- I would pop that bad boy off if I was going to fight. That's the only thing I want to imagine myself fighting in. One of those across hats? the desert of Iraq with a giant hat on my head, big hat on so a horse with a cannon. <laughs> That'd be so cool. One hand. It's tucked in your blouse. You know some special forces dude put a giant cowboy hat on in the beginning of Afghanistan. Oh, for sure. Coming in on the helicopter. The 12 12 strong guys. Yeah, the 12 strong was awesome. Those are the horseback guys, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't watch a lot of war movies because there's, you know, a lot of them are just real similar. You know what I liked about that movie was the the banter back and forth. Yeah. Very accurate. The trash talk. Very accurate. We're talking that 12 strong? Yeah. 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 I told Karen, to me, it was one of the more, that and um, the outpost I thought were really Mm good for just... How, the Outpost was a true story. I read yeah. that book. Is well, the movie any good? Oh, the movie's great. Yeah. Okay. It's got Clint Eastwood's son in it. So, yeah. yeah. Scott Eastwood. They're, they're both very accurate, for sure. But yeah, the banter back and forth, how, how people are treated, treat one another, like even when you really care for them. Yeah. Right. Of it's course. shocking to people. Yeah. Like yeah. Karen's watching that. She's like, I just can't believe that you guys just talk to each other this way. I was That's like, how we oh, show I was like this is straight up. Like, if they didn't say this about you, like, I was shocked when I came out of the military, the things you couldn't get away with saying to people. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. oh, that's offensive? That was your Sorry, tra- man. Like, I think you're awesome. That's what I meant yeah, by that. Yeah, That was your transitional, <laughs> your transitional struggle back to regular life was oh, being yeah. nice to people? Yeah, it was very difficult. I think that's common. <laughs> do, you, do you have a question, Emery? <laughs> okay, so this is totally theologically inaccurate, but I think it's a great question. Okay. What song would be played on a loop in hell? Hmm. <laughs> That is so close to a question I was going to ask, but I'm not. Oh, really? Uh, no, but it's better. It's better. What's probably the Brady Bunch theme song? That's an earworm for me, and it'll be there for days and days. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, Baby Shark. Ooh. Baby Shark. So yeah. we're going with like common, like. Uh, what are you thinking? I don't know. I was Bethel thinking music. like. music? <laughs> yeah, Reckless Love, man. Oh. 
that actually wasn't the one. But now that I say that, I'm like, oh, that would be horrible to listen to the rest of my life or eternity. Could you imagine reckless love for eternity? Anything, anything for eternity. Yeah, there's some Song songs box. I could jam to. Like, so there's some. It better be long and, and dynamic. Yeah, some Alan Jackson, '90s country. Chattahoochee. Yeah, <laughs> on on repeat. I think he never uh, knew how much that muddy water meant to him. <laughs> Praise God, brother. Um, so yeah, not. I mean, Reckless Love wasn't the one I thought of, but that's a great one. I was thinking, I, was it, I don't even know what's called the rains down in Africa. Oh, Toto, uh, Toto. Toto, yeah, or Weezer. They covered it. They did it. That would be. That would make me want to gouge my ear holes out. That's like one of my sister's favorite songs of all time. She listens to it a lot. A buddy of mine from our old church. Um, he was he was actually our small group leader there for a while. Um, he goes to gospel community and. Uh, any time we're somewhere and that song comes on, we take r- video snippets of ourselves wherever we're at and we shoot it to each other. <laughs> I don't know what started it. I, I can't remember. It seemed like we were out together a couple of times just having coffee or whatever or, or eating lunch and that song would be on. Yeah. And it just became a thing. So now we just like, if I'm at, I'm at gas pumps, I'm like, <laughs> that's great. But yeah, that, that song definitely. I hate the song, but it's fun for that. That's good. Uh, okay, I got a question. This I get a lot of grief about this, so I'm going to ask you guys. Uh, one outfit every day for the rest of your lives. That's what you do already. What no, kind of I know, question is that? I know, but so I've got, clearly I've got an answer. But think about it. Funerals, court dates. I'm wearing it right now. Funerals, court dates, church, yeah. work, uh, dates with your wife. Yeah, it's my, my brown boots, my black Levi jeans, and a dark gray or black hoodie and a black hat. Pretty simple. Like, so it has to fit everything. Well, I get. I mean, just think about it in those terms. There's not a day left in your lifetime where you can wear a different kind of outfit. <laughs> so my first inclination is like, I, I pretty much am wearing what I wear for all those things. Sure. But when we were in Jamaica, they had like this white outfit night. Oh my goodness. You look like a drug lord. <laughs> I, no, I just had, I had a, a white tuxedo t-shirt. <laughs> and I not feel what like, I thought you were going to say. Yeah, I did. I wore one. Yeah, Karen was, uh, Ian got one too. Perfect. We were both down there in our white. A couple of one-two studs yeah. down there. Um, but yeah, the uh, I did wear it that evening for the white thing. That's so great. I was picturing you in a linen pantsuit, like a linen suit. I sweat way too much. With the wind blowing through your pants and your like, shirt buttoned down to your belly. Just like looking like you sold cocaine in the 80s for the contrast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's great. But, no, I'd, I'd probably just wear a button-up. Yeah. I got like six of these button-up Walmart shirts of different, <laughs> different flavors. Now, Brian, would you go with those shoes or would you go with like some Air Force Ones? Oh, that's a really good call. Oh, preachers and sneakers. Uh-huh. Some Air Force Ones. For sure, these black Nike skateboard shoes. Yeah. Uh, jeans and a black t-shirt. It fits everything. Uh, it doesn't show sweat as bad as every other color does. And it, um, uh, when I spill on myself, it's easy to hide. So that's the, the super top secret reason. Oh, and you don't have to think about it. You just know what you're wearing. Anyway. I feel like everything in life for you, you've got like eight points as to why you do it. 100%. Okay. That is how my brain works. I have a, a rational reason for just about everything I do. And then the weird things in my life that I don't have reasons for are really, really special and beautiful to me. And I couldn't give you an example right now, but I'll, I'll think of one or something. I didn't feel up. like I should ask. I felt like that was deeply personal. I was going to no. be like, hey, what's something? No, I just really relish the things I do with no real purpose. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I would say something like jujitsu because it's like a selfish pursuit. There's like nothing. I mean... It's selfish. It takes a lot of time away from my family. I like to, you know, it's it's just because I love to do it. 
a good one for you is fishing. You will go fishing, just throw anything into the water. You don't care what the fish is. I almost said on. fishing. That's a better yeah. example. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's no rhyme, no reason, no research. I'm just going to, because I'm out there, my brain's off. So, yeah, I relish those things. But most things in my life, I would give you a very clear, definitive reason as to why it's there. And I think part of it is just the, the busyness or the schedule of it. Like, everything has a measure, a measured mm -hmm. purpose, right? Like, I have to kind of be that way. And I'm also really particular. It's that Larry <laughs> David thing. Yeah. It's really particular. So. Well, off, I think, to off topic. Yeah. But this is amazing. Chris Early just sent me Travis Kels with uh, Taylor Swift, but it has been Napoleon Dynamite's face on Taylor. <laughs> I can't see your Apple Watch from this far away, but that's, that's fantastic. It just trust me. It's pronounced Kelsey, by the way. I don't care. And I was stopped at a youth basketball game last year and asked if I was him. Oh, really? Yeah. Before he was dating Taylor, before he was a household man. What did you say? I just gave him a smile. Did you give him an autograph? I just gave him a little, little like, you know. Yeah. You know, I'm a tight end for the what's it called? Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Killian excited for the Super Bowl. He's fired up. Yeah. Fired yeah. up as a Chiefs fan. I'm, yes. I'm happy for him. Yeah. Is he what's he thinking of where's he at? We should get him in here to give us his uh his <laughs> an interview, take get his take. Oh, the Taylor Swift thing we should. Oh yeah. That would be does he have an opinion on it? Very aggressive. Oh, do you think you want to pause it real quick? Yeah. Well, we'll go get Killian. Yep. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, just pick that, you? right back up. We're talk about the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey, the, <laughs> he looks the, very, very nervous about this whole endeavor. This is, this is the first time ever for the Godly Manhood Podcast. You're our first interviewee. Yeah, Kelly, you are our first ever guest on the show. Welcome. Can you say hello to everybody? Hi. Okay. Who Who is your favorite football team? The Chiefs. The Chiefs. And uh, are you happy they're going to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Okay. And who's your favorite player on the Chiefs? Travis Kelsey. And what do you think about his girlfriend, Taylor Swift? I hate her. You hate her? <laughs> you hate her. And, and why do you feel that way, young man? Because she's stupid. Okay, thank you very much. And this has been uh, NFL Talk with Killian Barnes. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll get your check in the mail. Thank you so much, Killian. That was fantastic. That was a little aggressive. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. that went exactly how I thought it would go. So not, not the biggest fan now, we know. No, but he does like Travis Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now every time I see Killian, I'm going to be like, give him a little Taylor Swift heart. Yeah, there, there's there's what, 10 kids between the three of us? If we just add one in every every podcast, it'll take great. a year to get everybody's opinion. That'd be great. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, well, there you have it. I think we did it. Uh, if you have questions, write us the Godly Manhood Podcast. Yeah, and we know you have questions because people stopped us at church today mm -hmm. and said, "Hey, do you take questions?" Yeah, we say it every week. This is episode eighteen that yeah. we've said every week. Yeah, <laughs> that we yeah. take questions. Yeah. So you know who you are, and we love you anyway. Follow us on Facebook. Tell your friends. That's it. I think we're good. We're out. All right. Peace. Break us up.